Stay true, stay real, stay righteous. What are you having to drink tonight, Chris? I think I'm going to have uh, a big iron red ale. Mmm, I like ale. Yeah, so this is from uh, uh, Sun King Brewing Company. They're actually located in Indiana. Oh, right on. Big iron, big old iron. Indiana's our northern neighbor. This is true. Yeah. <clears throat> well, he might have went on living, but he made one fatal slip when he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip. Big iron on his hip. That's what it reminds me of. You ever heard that song? Uh-uh. I like westerns. Is that a movie? I think it's a western thing. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking earlier today, I was sort of thinking about why it is that at times it seems like when people are at their most low or even at their most sometimes broken place, Mm -hmm. why is it so common that religion sort of becomes the thing they turn to, I guess? Mm Mm-hmm. And for me, it was sort of, I was trying to understand, you know, the way people's minds work in those type of situations. And so I started, I started kind of researching and, and reading around and kind of typing in these different existentially weird questions, uh, you know, stuff that like Uh-oh. Google can't seem to answer half I was, the time. But I was going to say, did you start typing in things that. That instead of Google, the algorithm auto filling, it like gives you no auto fill options. <laughs> there is no, there is no answer. Right? These. There's no, there's no automated but, search. But I did find an in, an interesting article, and I'm going to mm-hmm. read you just a small excerpt from it. But it deals with sort of that very thing, and it talks about the difference between an intuitive thinking person and an analytical thinking person. Mm-hmm. Now. How would you people, define that? Well, people are capable of doing both. So an, right. an, uh, an, an intuitive mind essentially is an intuition. It's a feeling. You know, people kind of describe it as a gut feeling. You know, it's sort of this. Sometimes an impulse. It's sort of this, um, what's the term? Like pre, pre, uh, pre-programmed into us. These mm-hmm. are sort of these. Precognitive. Things. Precognitive, yes. Mm-hmm. So humans naturally sort of have this intuitive mind. Mm-hmm. It's it. For example, there's a reason why we're disgusted by certain things, right. right? If we see, you know, feces or blood or a dead animal, you know, we react to that sort of with disgust and we avoid those things because through our evolution, we've learned that, that those things could be dangerous. They could carry bacteria or something, mm-hmm. you know. So that's sort of what an intuitive mind is. It's sort of this reaction maybe driven more by feelings. Right. Now, an analytical way of thinking is essentially, in a lot of ways, putting in the effort to sort of question things and not just accept it sort of just based off of your feeling. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Maybe, maybe you can describe it better to try what, to help understand. The it. way I would describe an analytical mind would be a mind that goes beyond the impulse, that questions beyond right. the impulse. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't necessarily immediately react to intuition mm-hmm. they're, they're maybe a little bit more filtered then they contemplate before they hold an understanding about something yeah absolutely and so what was interesting is it found that because you know if you think about it religion in itself most religions are based off 
of intuition, right? So it's natural that a lot of people who are very devout or who practice a lot of religion. Well, uh, well, hang on. I'm so sorry. go ahead. <clears throat> you said that most religions are based on intuition, which I agree with. Yes. But but to further, yes. but I think to further clarify, based, I'm sorry, though, ba- based off intuition, based off right. Yeah. But to further clarify, the spiritual and emotional aspect of the religion of the religion is rooted in intuitional emotions and feelings. Correct. Yeah. And not and necessarily the foundation of the religion itself. Sure. Yeah. And it was also stating the correlation how people who think more analytically tend to be more disbelievers. Mm-hmm. They're not so so much uh, keen to paranormal or um, religious ideologies are so easy to just simply believe them. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, wait a minute. so the excerpt I was wanting to read to you, it said, one study suggests that intuitive thinking may be one out of many sources that affect levels of religiosity, and that analytical thinking may be one of many sources that affect disbelief. So basically what I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. And it sort of makes me question for myself, what is more important? If we have both of these abilities, is it more important for me as a person or a human being to drive based off of more of my intuition, my intu- I'm sorry, my intuitions, my feelings, mm-hmm. my emotional um, connection to things, or is it better to develop more of an analytical process to how you move about the world? Yeah. Generally, I like to... Th- because I am an analytical mind. I can tell you that for a fact. I'm already mm-hmm. an analytical mind. And I've always felt that is the best way because, in my opinion, I feel like there is a need to question and learn. And, you know, I just, I don't know. It's a question I've had. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm on the right path, but, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think what you're talking about is is maybe one of the one of the cardinal debates throughout the origins of a religion like Christianity itself. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look at Christianity in the early days, um, and, and you can almost, I mean, from what the Orthodox Church came from, you can see that it is a more intuitionally mm-hmm. faith-based religion. Correct. But in the early days... Have faith, Brother Chris. In the early days when when Christianity was very scattered and there was many different ideologies Mm -hmm. floating around, you know, uh, Gnostics took, I mean, we've talked about them many a times, Mm -hmm. they took the analytical approach to religion. They believed that through knowledge and wisdom, one could gain profound understanding. Right. Which which essentially was what was what the more intuitional faith based one believed in as well. Now that's not to say the that that's not to say that the Gnostics didn't hold, you know, faith based ideologies, but they were far they were far deeper into the the practicalities and mm-hmm. and they wanted to know how it worked. I mean, some of the some of the recovered writings from their text, you know, talk about them consistently experimenting with altered conscious states to give them the ability to traverse stargates. Mm, now, now as loony as that mm-hmm. sounds, these, again, these were very pragmatic people. They were very, they were, they were very much scholars and scientists mm-hmm. as they were Christian enthusiasts. But, and they even recorded passwords that would get them through these gates that the archons would help, would hold, <laughs> which the archons were oh. kind of like demons essentially to them. Mm-hmm. 
So you can see the further down the rabbit hole you go, the more loonier it gets. <laughs> but what right. what does faith? But what does faith offer you? Faith, blind faith, that some would even call it, offers you. It doesn't offer you all that that complexity that comes mm-hmm. with the, the the analytical depth. Mm-hmm. Faith offers you a feeling of reassurance and mm-hmm. comfort that gives you that allows you to find fulfillment in your life, which within itself is is a key conduit to spirituality. The I think the biggest so so all that being said said I think the intuitional faith based religions offer offer something incredible for people to experience, mm-hmm. but I think that. Some of these, you know, a lot of the religions that died out in the past that were more focused on analysis and understanding and wisdom, gnosis, mm-hmm. those schools of thought really pushed boundaries into things that could change our perception about spirituality as a whole. It was such an inquisitive way to look into it. Why stop at the border when you can see the, when you can see the promised land? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like well, it just doesn't make any well, sense. So, so, I, so you kind of agree with me then? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. So, yeah. So, right. so the point I'm trying to make is it makes sense why people gravitate towards one and the other. Right. But the biggest difference that you'll find is intuitional faith based religions don't necessarily give you any uncomfortable truths. A lot of the truths that you received are given with good intent, but a lot of times don't speak the truth. They don't speak the truth of the message that's trying to be conveyed. On the other hand, your more analytical perception of spirituality gives you very hard truths, challenging truths. What I would define as as, as what's always called the path of the righteous man, because it's such it's a challenging path. Mm. No one ever says it's an easy path. The trials and tribulations. Right. right. You don't just you don't just be a good person and go to church and and you know <laughs> pay your money to the to the dish or whatever. I mean you don't it, you know what I'm saying? Right. It doesn't. It, it's not in that sense. It's a challenging sense. Right. It's get it's being in uncomfortable situations and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 holding accountability for your own actions and being true to yourself and understanding who you are. Do you believe that's on, that do you believe that can only be achieved with an analytical way of thinking, I guess. If you say to truly understand who you are, do you believe you have to sort of work on the analytical side to truly get there? Yes. And the reason I believe that is because this concept of gnosis or knowledge, I think is it's not necessarily a a deep profound understanding of strictly spiritual knowledge. I think there's a reason it's called sacred hidden knowledge because I believe it encompasses whatever is relevant within your constructs. So, for example, Gnosis for us wouldn't be achieved in the same way that it would have been for the Gnostic people in 300 you know, AD. Gnosis for us would be achieved through an understanding of microeconomics, current mm. politics, societal issues cultural issues, philosophy, <laughs> history, art, you know. I mean, it, it, it's this it's I think instead of it's instead of finding the sacred tome buried in the ancient pyramid under the Antarctica ice with the spike, <laughs> you know, with the spike pits and stuff. I th- I think instead of finding yeah. this secret tome that holds these, you know, what's it called? What's that thing called that's supposed to be like the book of the universe or whatever? Have you ever heard of the that? Book of the Universe. I don't know. I've heard oh, that one. Oh man, hang on. I don't even know why. <laughs> oh I don't my even know gosh. Why I remember that. 
This is the book of no, the universe. No, it's called something. There's something that's called this. Anyways, I couldn't remember the name of the book, but we'll bring. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll find it and talk about right. it next week because there's some right. kind of mythological book of the universe. Right. I can't remember what it's called, but supposedly it contains all the knowledge and the secrets of the universe. But I mean, we we, we were we were going pretty in depth about the differences between analytical people questioning religion as opposed to other, you know, um, um, intuitional based people who, right. who essentially kind of follow their soul, you know, blindly with, with faith. They know what they feel is truth. They feel something that's real within them that they can't explain. So therefore it's easy to believe. It's easy to have faith because you know, it's real. You believe it. You know, it's interesting because I, I kind of started that conversation about talking how I notice sometimes when people are really low, religion becomes a very easy access. Mm. And, it, you know, the article also mentioned that analytical people tend to not have to rely on religion as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I don't know. I don't, is there something to that, I guess? I, I guess I'm trying to understand why some people seem to follow one way of thinking compared to the other if those situations arrive in their life mm-hmm. and they're ready to start thinking about the more existential things and exploring that. But existential truths are extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> they're extremely uncomfortable. And of course, and as I mean, as opposed to receiving the message from someone in a very delicate way that is cheerful and hopeful Mm-hmm. And full of joy and happiness, and it's in songs and it's celebrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's two very different aspects of it. Right. I think that a lot of a lot of, especially with with Orthodox Christianity at this point in time, mm-hmm. I think that one of the one of the greatest lacking element elements in Orthodox Christianity today is the concept of evil. Though evil is perceived as this very metaphysical thing. And I think that it's often used as a form of, of control through fear. But I think instead of trying to ignore it or dismiss evil, I think we need to try to understand it. Once you accept some of the cruel truths about life and the cruel understandings about how things are very different for everyone, then you can truly gain perspective. So do you feel like there's a potential if someone is to get locked into religion too much that they close off that ability to have that perspective. Yes. That they may not be able to understand or accept things outside of what is told within that belief system or practice. Right. And that's and that's not to challenge the faith itself. Mm. That's to challenge the the system of thinking. Because in a lot of in a lot of respects, I don't disagree with it at all. I think there is profound power in spirituality. I think there is there is true knowledge and understanding about life that can be gained through it. But I think a guided, controlled perspective is not the way to approach something that isn't understood. Mm-hmm. Religion attempts to tackle that. It, it it attempts to tackle what this is all about. What what existence? Right. What this existential? Um, consciousness is mm. it, it attempts to do that and the problem with that is is we as humans are not the ones to tell each other what it is I think that our goal should be to individually understand what that deep intuitive feeling is based in both elements of light and dark only manifesting in extremities of one or the other it's an understanding to control that 
and to do that with, for example, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, the choice of someone to kill or not to kill. Mm. I believe that compassion would be would be the most effective choice because it's the one that 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 lacks the primitive human in it. It's so a true. A it's a powerful choice. Mm-hmm. It's a statement of one's character. Do you think that morals are intuitive? Or do you think that morals are more taught? Well, I think uh, morals are guided by society's concepts mm-hmm. of them. I mean, we live in a society that agrees to a set of moral ideologies. We agree not mm-hmm. to kill each other. We agree not to steal. Yeah. We agree, you know, I mean, we, we agree for the most part to live by the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. What's so funny about the Ten Commandments is they can say they're some sacred Judaic law, but they're really the most common forms of governance in any human society. Literally. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If 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 these did, certain... did the Sumerians have laws? They had uh, the Sumerians are one of the first civilizations, correct? I mean, so I, I mean, I, I mean, they would have had, to... had some kind of a laws or system. If these societies didn't adopt these basic principles, mm-hmm. then everybody would just everybody would just kill each other. <laughs> I'm pissed off at you. I'm going to kill you. No, people wanted security. People wanted to feel safer. Yes, there are there are only extremities of it. Some were barbaric societies that would sacrifice their own people because they revered their gods for you know, whatever. We would consider them barbaric tendencies, mm-hmm. but that was morally correct to them. There was a they, it was it was a form An obligation. Of, it was a form of self surrender. Mm-hmm. That's where the true power of spirituality lies is just is to give is to give up is to give yourself over, but not necessarily to a predefined entity. Who says it has to be to someone that you're told that it's supposed to be? Mm. Why can't you just give up who you are to yourself? Mm. Assess who you are. Observe your intuitions. Think about why you do things. Think about how you treat people. Think about how think how people react to you. Take accountability for yourself. A lot of people talk about the generational entitlement that's kind of coming up through the waves, you know, that we're mm. seeing a lot. And I think that a lot of it is just is simply a lack of self-insight. I mean, we talk all the time about how distracted we are about technology mm. and, and things like that. But yeah. I think a lot of that boils down to people in this generation now demand things because they don't really know what they want. Do you feel like a lot of young... I say, so you're talking about younger people. Do you feel like a lot of younger people are having a lot more existential crisis though oh yeah i mean I, it feels like that and i don't i mean i guess right now everybody's kind of having a crisis because there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in the world well the, don't well, get me wrong I mean, I mean it's it's really really stressful on everybody but i feel like a lot of very young people are like really seeking like just it seems like they're seeking answers to things that they just never have gotten answers for well and sure it's causing a lot of a lot it seems like causing a lot of upset well, I mean, the Great Resignation continues. <laughs> no, seriously. All right, we made a we made another three hundred and sixty thousand jobs, and <laughs> no, and I got hairy legs, and it's like turn blonde in no. the sun. I think it was three million jobs. That people three three million, three jobs. million jobs opened up last month. New it's jobs con- or, it's just, continuing. or just nope, or it's just continuing. available like they don't have people, people are continuing to leave. Their, no people. So where are you, they going? Where's I, don't, I don't know, Chris. I don't know <laughs> what people are doing. Well, I mean, if you think about yeah. it, we live in a very interconnected society mm-hmm. right now. You literally can can have a barber shop in your backyard because you're everywhere all over your town. You're on Facebook. 
I mean, you have you have the, you have mm-hmm. the outreach that you've never had before. Yeah. You don't need a shop front anymore. You just need to be able to communicate. Hey, I offer a service. I'm a tradesman. Come here. Come. This is where right. you get it, and people know about it. I think we live in very Access. different times. I think that I think that the younger generation is questioning things because they're just running into so many brick walls. I mean, a lot of people, and, and they, and a lot of times, as much as I, as much as I hate to agree with some of these things, <laughs> yeah. a lot of times they're right about certain things. Mm. I think that mine and your generation experience some of the hardships, but I think they're going to have the harder ones. Mm. I think that me and you kind of were able to get cut out pretty quick before before like <laughs> shit really got rough. Things could still get pretty rough. <laughs> Things could still get pretty rough. So, well, I mean, just think about think about where the current stats of. I mean, yeah. suicide rates are at an all time high. Really, I think the large oh. it's um, the majority of men are 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 dropping out of college. There's a fifty percent divorce rate, mm-hmm. and every you know with every marriage, we as a society are are losing who we are. Nobody understands themselves. The only reason these things occurring is be, is is due to a lack of understanding. That's all it comes down to. Confusion breeds hate and fear and violence, and therefore it is inflicted. Those are all products of confusion. Confusion is is born from misunderstanding. Therefore, we must seek. Well, yeah, we, we must seek to understand. Well, and a lot of people don't hold traditionalist ideas. Like, and I, when I say that, I don't even mean like conservative values. I mean like honor and loyalty and duty and respect. I mean the concept of honor itself inhibits respect. It's a mutual thing. It's something that can be shared. It's something that can be understood equally. It's the truth. I don't know. I feel like it's I don't even remember what I just talked about. These these are the type of questions, though, that run through my head on a daily basis. You know what else I was thinking about, too? So, see, we're talking about religion so much, and I don't even know what brought this up in my head. Yeah. But weren't you telling me the other day that there is this talking about religion and talking about undiscovered knowledge? Didn't you, weren't the other day, didn't you talk to me about this belief that there is a library under the pyramids? Eric, yeah, Eric Von Daniken. I, I had actually never not now. I've, you know, I like a lot of ancient aliens and stuff. Like oh yeah, that and pyramid mysteries. But I've actually never heard this theory before. So when he told it to me, I was I was thinking about it today, and I said, "What? It's like what the heck?" But you, had, I remember you mentioned that that there is speculation, and I'm sure he's not the only one. Eric Von. So he's he's pretty famous, actually, right? Then Enoch took the books into the library. <laughs> he puts them this in the pyramids. This is the facts. If you just <laughs> he's on he was on ancient aliens, wasn't he? Oh, he, he's on there all the time. They always Giorgio or whatever. Yeah, Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah. So Eric von Daniken has a theory that originates with the books of Enoch that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. We talk about this stuff all the right. time because 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 for some because Enoch brought it up several times. Right, Enoch has all the fun yeah. mythology in it. it talks mm-hmm. about the Nephilim, the giants, the Watchers, like that. Right, right. It has all the really cool <laughs> Christian lore that yeah. they like to leave out, but that, that stuff. It's like the it's like all the, the coolest. Stuff. It's all the, the fun. St- I wish we had that when we were kids. I know the church. Like, man, this is cool. But Eric von Daniken wrote a book, and his theory was based on the idea that this scripture called the Books of Enoch that were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 30s, I believe, told the story of an extraterrestrial occurrence that happened on Earth. So the story itself goes far more in depth into the book of Genesis, which Enoch himself is actually part of one of the large, I mean, it's in, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's in the family, you know, he's the son of Jared. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's all part of the, the chronological pass down as, right. as Genesis does it. 
But Enoch himself is a character that's not really in, is, that's not really discussed much in the Bible. And what's fascinating about that is the fact that there's a whole set of books that are that are that are his that are all mm. about him and his adventures and stuff. Right. But to keep a long story short, Eric von Daniken developed a theory that Enoch, instead of interacting with angels and God in his experiences in the story, mm-hmm. he was he was actually interacting with extraterrestrials. Mm. And the reason he says this is because there's a lot of really strange stuff in the book that kind of point mm-hmm. towards it. One of the stranger things about it is the angels all have names, which isn't uncommon, mm-hmm. but they're they're all but these are completely new angels. Mm-hmm. These are angels that aren't mentioned. Well, if they are, it's very scarcely mentioned in any of the parts of the of the current Bible. But there's a very they almost have characteristics about themselves, almost a human element at mm-hmm. times, a certain sense of understanding, which in the initial stories, we're told that angels are, are these sources of divinity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they're not necessarily right. fallible, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And these angels and these stories are very are very much more corruptible and mm-hmm. different from the traditional ones, we're told. So that all being said, Eric Von Daniken drew the conclusion that maybe this wasn't sources of divinity. This was maybe actual interactions happening on Earth mm-hmm. with an extraterrestrial species. So there's a really deep, in-depth story that cover that chronicles over the uh, a collection of four different books. Um, Enoch one is the most famous one that everybody knows um, because it has the Book of the Watchers and the Book of the Giants and all that crazy stuff. But I believe it's in the fourth book of Enoch. There is an actual point towards the end of his life that during his time he has been tasked with being the scribe of history of the heavens and the earth. So, as time's gone on, towards the end of his life, he's amassed a collection of books that he's recorded all of these happenings of of the heavens and and the earth. You know, this really kind of mystical, ancient knowledge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's said that he gave this collection of books to to Methuselah, who in turn took them to preserve them, and they would be uncovered when the world would need them again. They would be discovered when the time was right, when man was ready for them. So that's all kind of part of the mythology, but the reason that it kind of brings it to the forefront, well, the thing that kind of gives it a little bit more gravity to it was the fact that the first historian, who was Greek, named Herodotus, traveled to Egypt mm-hmm. to try to get the history on the pyramids and these and mm-hmm. these ancient monuments. And when he spoke to the people, they had actually told Herodotus that it was the pharaoh that commissioned the pyramids to be built was, wasn't was really the one who did it. So they tell Herodotus, I, I can't remember the name, but when you translate it from some type, I, I can't, if it's either Egyptian or Coptic, it, it, it translates into Enoch. They, so the theory goes that Enoch encountered extraterrestrials, recorded the history of all of this, including history and knowledge, outside of Earth, you know, however you want to perceive that, who took this library, gave it to his son Methuselah, and also commissioned for the pyramids to be built to preserve it. And that's where his theory comes from. And that that, that speculation also states that the pyramids would be pre-flood, according to the Bible stories. Correct. He said that the Herodotus notes that the villagers had said the pyramids were far older than what, what everyone believed that they were. Right. As well as the Pharaoh who built them, you know, was so not the, the correct So the one. belief is that there may be this library of knowledge hidden under the pyramids. 
Correct. And the reason that he believes they're under the pyramids is because that's he connects Enoch commissioning that with also with this story of him telling Methuselah to go mm-hmm. preserve this knowledge. Find a way to preserve this for man in the future so they can know, they can understand our history. So it's it's assumed that maybe the pyramids were created as these monoliths mm-hmm. to withstand water and time and maybe even markers, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because they're extreme. I mean, they're huge. They're really right. tall. So it, it, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a really, really interesting theory because it delves into things that aren't generally ever really looked at. Like, I mean, a lot of people don't ever try to connect dots like that because... You know the books of Enoch are all not are not considered canon, therefore they're not considered truth. Right. So if you if you look at them as fairy tale story books, then you know you don't ever really take them serious. You don't you know. But think about how many documents and 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 findings that we've read that have led us to incredible discoveries. Well, what, what would happen if you, they were to find this and to find all these books? <sighs> oh, it would change everything. Stuff. I mean. It almost makes you wonder if maybe somebody hasn't already found it and purposely doesn't let it be released. I don't know. Well, for one thing, if if that library existed, if it was real, then I think the major thing that it would, the major question that it would bring to the forefront would be the fact that now maybe the books are potentially true. Because if the books, if the books got this right, got this much right, then who's to say that Enoch wasn't full of it when he said, the watchers descended to earth and cohabitated with man mm. and gave them knowledge of the stars and the heavens and the root and jewelry, the artistry of the lashes, mm. you know, creepy stuff, man, mm. really weird stuff. I don't know. It'd be an interesting thing. It'd be, it, it, it would be, it, things like that fascinate me though. Yeah. Well, because why wouldn't you want to know? Well, Chris, as always, it's been good. Absolutely. And if you enjoy what you heard tonight, we are streaming on all major platforms. And you can check us out on any of our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, everybody stay true, stay real, stay righteous.